Good evening, good to see you tonight. Hope that you had a wonderful day, wonderful afternoon, and glad that we can be back here together tonight. Our sermon topic tonight is taking a rest. If you looked at your bulletin this uh, afternoon or this morning, you looked in it and uh, it had underneath there on the bottom uh, after the AM notes and it said PM rest. And I understand that some people thought that uh, we, since we had the Love Where You Live weekend, we were just going to be resting tonight, uh, which, you know, I'm not going to blame you for that. For those of us who have been active the last couple of days, it's been a pretty tiring couple of days. I understand and appreciate that. Appreciate Houston leading the songs that he's been leading tonight. Did a great job. Uh, most of those have been centered around, you probably noticed, taking uh, the rest in eternity, uh, that, that longing rest that we long to, to take care of and appreciate uh, in heaven one day. Uh, the sermon tonight is a little bit of a mixture of both of those things. It's a little bit of a mixture of a, a resting in the here and now and an appreciation for the, the rest that we'll have in the future. Uh, and this, we'll think about this in, in view of Jesus. And I appreciate the prayer that Ken led as we want to be followers of Jesus. And we want to look at what are some things that Jesus did and we want to make sure that we as his disciples, we as his followers, we do those things too. Uh, the author, Eleanor Brown, had this statement that I've shared with you guys before, uh, but I want to share with you it again. It says, when you take time to replenish your spirit, it allows you to serve others from the overflow. And then I love this part of the quote especially. You cannot serve from an empty vessel. You cannot serve from an empty vessel. I know many of us are busy. I'd say probably all of us are busy. Some of you who are of retirement age may be busier now than you've ever been before. There's always something going on. I have two young children at home, so we're always constantly busy. It is so easy to get caught up in the busyness of life. Some of it, very, very good things to be involved with, some service opportunities, helping other people, spending time with friends and family. Some of it, you know, not necessarily good or bad, just the, the things of life. It is just easy for us to get busy and sometimes it's hard for us to slow down but we see jesus our lord our savior and our great example taking multiple times to be intentional about seeking rest seeking times of prayer of fasting and of meditating alone he does this before he goes and serves in various areas of his life. He does this in the midst of serving and ministering to others, and he does this afterwards. We want to think about three things tonight. We want to think about seeking solitude, seeking silence, and seeking stillness in our lives and how these things if we'll do these things will actually help us to be better servants which is what we talked about this morning the importance of being a servant and the fact that that all christians must be servants but we also want to take the opportunity to recognize that sometimes we can get so busy serving or we can get so busy with all the other things of life that we don't have anything to give and i know that there are some of you here tonight that that may be you you may be helping other people. You may be helping uh, maybe your, your aging parents, and you may be one of the primary caretakers there. You may be taking care of your children all the time. Uh, you may be involved in any number of things that could take away all of your time and all of your energy and sometimes leave you drained. So let's think about and consider some of the things that Jesus did that we can do as well. Again, Jesus was intentional in seeking solitude. Uh, I, I like these words, and I think they're important. Things that are worth doing are rarely easy. And they even less frequently happen by accident. Things that are worth doing are rarely easy, and they even more free or less frequently happen by accident. We see Jesus in a number of places uh, being intentional about seeking to be alone, 
seeking to be alone. In Mark chapter 1, early in the morning, while it's still dark, Jesus gets up from the house that he's staying in, and he goes to a secluded place. So much so that Peter, when Peter and the rest of the apostles, or the apostles wake up, they say, where's Jesus at? He got up before dawn, and he left the house in a quiet fashion as to not disturb anybody else. Maybe you've done that before. Mark chapter 4, Jesus crosses over the Sea of Galilee, and he does it for the specific purpose of trying to get away from the crowds. In Matthew chapter 4, he goes into the wilderness to fast. He's by himself there, and that's when he's, of course, tempted. In Matthew chapter 14, perhaps one of the most uh, powerful passages along this point, uh, he hears about his cousin John the Baptist being beheaded. And, of course, he's troubled by that. And he needs some time to process that. Uh, so, so he goes away and he tries to, uh, he goes to the other side of the sea. After he leaves the crowds, he goes to the other side of the sea, seeking some solitude, seeking the opportunity to, to deal with and to process the death of this person who is a very important part of his, his physical life and an important part of, G, of God's spiritual plan throughout, uh, throughout time, the plan of salvation for him to prepare the way for Jesus. Uh, but the crowds, they follow him around. As he's going across the Sea of Galilee, it says the crowds follow him around. So he leaves one crowd, and whether part of that crowd or maybe another crowd, as soon as he gets to the other side, there's another crowd. It's kind of like moms, when you try to go to the restroom by yourself with little kids, and you see those fingers underneath the door, it's kind of like that. He, he can't get away from these people. He can't get away from them. He's seeking solitude. He, Jesus, listen, Jesus wants to be alone, but they won't leave him alone. Have you been there? Have you been frustrated by that before? You imagine Jesus was frustrated by that? He was, I have no doubt. But in the passage, it says he looks on the people and he has compassion for them. And that's when he teaches them and he, then he feeds the 5,000. And then, you know, he sends the apostles back over. And then in a short time, he's going to be, this is when he walks on water. But let me tell you again what happens. He's seeking solitude. He crosses over the sea, leaving one crowd, finds another crowd, probably a little perturbed by that, but he has compassion for them, loves them, teaches them, uh, feeds them miraculously, 5,000 of them, sends the apostles away. Later on, he's going to walk. But before he goes and, and walks on the water, what does he do? He goes back and he seeks solitude again. It was important. He did all of those other things. He has a, a purpose and a plan and something he needs to do. I need to be alone. Then all the other stuff got in the way, and he did everything he had to do. He dealt with all the stuff in his life, and then he still sought solitude again. He goes up on the mountain by himself to pray, and then when he's done with that, then he walks on the water and meets the apostles there. Matthew 14 is a great example of that. Our, our spiritual, even... Even our mental well-being, our ability to have something with which to serve others depends on this regular practice of taking the time to seek solitude, to have a spiritually focused, physically restorative time where we can have some sort of rest. Jesus, the Son of God, sought such times. We would be foolish to think that we can be who God wants us to be without seeking such times ourselves. If Jesus had to do it, then you need to do it. Then I need to do it. And he did these things. Again, you cannot serve from an empty vessel. Let's notice also that solitude is accompanied by silence. I have been reminded this week in my personal life that sometimes I need to keep my mouth shut. Anybody else there with me? Okay, just me. All right. Scripture teaches us that, doesn't it? 
James teaches us that in James chapter 1 verse 19, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now the, the, the context of that passage is actually making sure that we're listening to God more than we're expressing our own thoughts about spiritual things. But the application can also be the idea that when we are talking with people or having discussions with people or whatever it may be, we need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, how are you going to get better at that? The same way you get better at anything, practice. What's, what's the best way or, or one very practical way to practice not talking to someone else? Don't be around someone else. If you take the time to not be around others, then you can't talk to other people. Solitude is important, solitude and silence. In James chapter 3 and verse 8, it tells us the importance of our ability to control our tongue. It says, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil and full of deadly poison. There is power, the power of life and death, or in the power of the tongue. We need to make sure that we do all that we can to control it, to tame it as best we can. And some of that will simply be by practicing being quiet. Now, listen to what Proverbs says. This is, you know, Proverbs is full of wisdom. If you don't get anything else from this lesson, listen to this, and if we can apply it, our lives will be better. Listen to what Proverbs seventeen twenty eight says. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. How would our world be better if we would all just practice that? Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. I would say I can certainly get better with that. Maybe you can as well. Solitude, again, is accompanied by silence, but it's also accompanied by stillness. You know, Proverbs, or sorry, sorry, Psalms uh, 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. That idea of being still, other versions may translate it this way. Cease striving and know that I am God. Uh, the, the idea and the, uh, kind of the, the picture that we get there sometimes is, is let go. Uh, you know, especially when you think about stress and, and difficulty and anxiety and all those types of things. If we can, if we can have the ability, uh, to seek some solitude, to practice some silence, uh, and, and to, to seek some stillness, to, you know, it, it's so, in our world today, it's just so foreign of an idea to sit still, to be quiet, and to not be with anyone, isn't it? But isn't that exactly what our parents told us when we were children? Just sit still and be quiet. Or at least maybe that's just what I'm telling my kids a lot. Sit still and be quiet. Sit still and be quiet. But there is spiritual application in that. We can be still. We can cease striving. We can let go. We can relax. And we can do all of that because we can recognize and remember that God is in control. An example of this in a negative way, perhaps, is Elijah. Uh, you know Elijah, the great prophet on, on Mount Carmel. He faces hundreds of enemies, hundreds of, of the, the prophets of, of Baal. And you remember that, uh, that picture that the Israelites have, have followed the, uh, the false god Baal and, and, uh, and the king has and his queen have. And just, just, it seems like, it seems like from the picture that we see in scripture, uh, that, that Elijah is there by himself. Remember, they're up on Mount Carmel and they have this, this contest, right? Uh, where they both build altars. Uh, and, and the idea is, you know, we're going to cry out to our God and whoever, uh, you know, sends fire down and consumes these, whoever, whoever answers our prayer, then we'll know that's the real God. And, it, and for hours, uh, the, the prophets of Baal, uh, they build their 
altar and they put their sacrifice on it and they're jumping around and hooping and hollering and cutting themselves and, and screaming and, 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 and Elijah kind of mocks them a little bit and when, when he mocks them, they just, they just amp it up even more and I, I can't imagine exactly what it would have been like to see that but they're, they're intense and they're dedicated about what, what they believe. And then seemingly on a very different way, Elijah very calmly, he takes the time to, to build his altar and he puts the wood on it and he puts the sacrifice on it and then he takes some water, right? And he pours water on it and he pours water on it and he pours water on it and it soaks the sacrifice and it soaks the wood and the water rolls down uh, the stones and he builds a trench around it and even the trench is filled with water. And then, and then seemingly Elijah just calls on God one time. God, prove to these people that you are really God. In essence is what he says. And God sends fire down, and it laps up the water, it burns up the stones, it burns up the sacrifice, it burns up the wood, it burns up everything. He wins a, a great victory in First Kings chapter 19, verses 9 and following, or before that, in, verse, in chapter 18. But then after this, uh, the queen, Jezebel, she, she threatens him. After he wins this great victory, after proclaiming this powerful message and defeating this mighty enemy, he flees in terror because there's still this one woman this powerful woman, the queen, who has turned the heart of the king and, and turned the heart of the whole people. And, and because even though he's done this amazing thing, it's hard for us to, to wrap our mind about around the amazing thing that he did. And then he, he flees from her. He flees from, from everyone. And he comes to the conclusion as he seeks a mountain solitude, he comes to the conclusion that he's all alone. And then we see in, in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 9, that God and he have a conversation and he wants to have some, some proof. God, really show me that you're here. Show me that you're still with me. Show me that I'm not by myself. And it says that a powerful wind comes and, and rends the mountain. It's tearing pieces of the mountain off. It's, it's making uh, rocks roll down from the side of the mountain. And it says that God's not within that powerful wind. It says a, a ground-shaking earthquake comes and, and shakes the entire mountain, but God's not within that powerful earthquake. It says that a, a consuming fire passes over the mountain and burns up everything that's on the mountain, but God is not within the fire. But then there's this sound of a gentle blowing. Could it be that in the midst of that storm, in the midst of that uh, consuming fire, in the midst of the earthquake, could it have been that that gentle blowing was there the entire time? That God was there the entire time. But he got so distracted by the earthquake, he got so distracted by the fire, he got so distracted by Queen Jezebel and her threats that he missed God was there the whole time. When we think about seeking silence when was the last time you binged watched your favorite TV show on Netflix or Disney Plus or Hulu or any of the other seemingly insurmountable number of uh, services that there are today? When's the last time you watched your favorite show, show after show after show after show, hour after hour after hour after hour? Or maybe better yet, you, you got your phone, at it, a phone out and you got on your favorite social media and you scrolled 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 looking at all the news of the day and everything that your family and friends had going on. And then at the end of the shows, at the end of the scrolling, you still felt just as empty as you did before. Probably because you weren't seeking God in silence. You weren't seeking God in stillness. Maybe you really weren't looking for God much at all. When's the last time that you stopped? All of us. When's the last time that we stopped all the busyness, some of it necessary, much of it not, and took the time to be alone with God in prayer, in study, in praise, 
or just an observation of his great and glorious majesty? When's the last time that you individually, by yourself, set aside everything else and focused on God? That may have been something that was practiced a lot in the past. Maybe it's still practiced by some today, but not practiced a lot by many of us. I, I would even, even say this, that the importance, we, we stress the importance of Bible study, and that cannot be understressed. That we, we study God's word, we read God's word, we, uh, you know, we take the time every day to read God's word, we read a chapter a day, we read a book a day, how, whatever it works for you, however much time you spend on it, but how much time do you spend after that being still and being silent? And not allowing God to speak to you in some miraculous way, but allowing God's word to work within your mind. There's a difference between reading God's word and meditating on God's word. And the difference is the difference between reading it so that you can check a box, perhaps, and reading it so that you can understand it and apply it to your life. And sometimes that doesn't take a whole lot of thought. Sometimes it might just take a whole lot of silence where you allow your Bible-trained conscience to digest what you've just learned. That would be a challenge for you this week, perhaps. Uh, this week, when you're in, involved in your one-word Bible study that we've been doing this year, or if you're uh, doing another Bible study of some variety, read those passages, read those, uh, those books that you're, you're reading, and then just take a few minutes afterwards. If, you, if you're reading for, for five minutes, take five minutes to think about it. If you're reading for 30 minutes, take 10 minutes to, to think about it and, and just sit simply in, in silence. Perhaps we need to wake up earlier. We need to stay up later. Maybe we need to take a walk or drive in silence. The point is, certainly, we need to seek God. We need to do that with his people by coming together and appreciating our fellowship, but we also need to do it all by ourselves. And the reason is, the purpose is, this is not just a a self-help book of, I want to be a better me. I don't want to be a better me. I know who I am, and I'm not that great. I want to be like Jesus. And Jesus took the time to do these things so that he could focus on his Father. And I need to take the time to do these things so I can focus on my Lord and my Father and my Savior. We need to do these things so once again we can serve those around us in the name of Jesus so that they can come closer to him. So this weekend, it's been a great weekend. Uh, Again, this this afternoon we had some folks, uh, probably about 30 of us over at Enzer Park. And uh, we, uh, man, you should see Bud Simpson with a chainsaw in his hand. It's a beautiful sight. Uh, well, there was this, there, I just got to tell you, okay, there was this, this tree that was five feet in diameter. Okay, it wasn't that big, but it probably was three and a half feet, and he took that thing out, and it was, it was great, and, uh, and there was this, uh, this footbridge that was over uh, a, a washed-out area that we, we took it out, and, and my plan, my simple plan was just, hey, this thing's in horrible shape. Let's take this out because it'd be better to not have anything than to have this broken up uh, bridge that's made out of these broken logs. But then Sam Brown said, no, we're not just going to take it out. We're going to do a whole brand new one. So they cut down a tree, which we might not have should have done. Uh, but we cut down a tree, and, uh, and we made brand new logs. And there's a brand new log bridge uh, over this, uh, this water area there. And it's, it's fantastic. We had a great time there. I went over after we got done. I went over to the senior center, and there was a group of you guys who were there. And uh, the, the flower beds before versus the flower beds after are much better. There was a building that was painted. We have done a lot of work this week, and it's all good. And remember, that's who we are. We are people who love God, love others, are disciples, and are striving to make disciples. And that means we got to get out of here and go out there, right? We did that today. We want to do that individually as families and as a congregation. But aren't you busy? Do you ever get tired? 
You ever get weary? You ever get church calendar fatigue? I'm a minister, so I get that all the time. Church calendar fatigue? You know, you got your regular calendar, then you got church stuff too, and you want to be involved with that, and you want to do that, and then you got kids' ball games, and you got work stuff. It's so easy, brothers and sisters, you know this. It's so easy to get bogged down, distracted, and caught up in worldly things that we take our eyes off of God, even when we're doing things with the church. There are times when we've got to, because Jesus did, and he's our perfect example, there are times when we have to seek rest. Because this is a long-distance journey we're on, isn't it? Remember, it's not a sprint. It's a long-distance run towards heaven. And we want to set our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and we want to follow him every step of the way. So, challenge this week. Don't be lazy, but get some rest so that you can take that energy that you have and serve God in a better way the next time the opportunity presents itself. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this weekend, the things that we've been able to do as the congregation here. We thank you for those who have served in in those specific things we had planned, and we thank you for folks that serve in various ways all the time. God, we want to be your servants because you are a servant. Your son came to this world not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He died for us so that we could live for him. Lord, we want to serve you. We don't want to be lazy. We, we have no desire. God, I, I have no desire, and I don't believe anyone here has any desire to be lazy. We want to follow you. We know how awesome you are, how amazing you are, and how worthy you are of everything that we can give you, God. But, Lord, we also want to follow the example and be wise and prudent like your son Jesus was, and we see him taking some times to rest and to replenish his energy both physically and spiritually. And, Lord, we pray that you will help us to do that. Help us to set aside those things that distract us, the news, the media, whether that be social media or uh, entertainment media or uh, whatever else it might be, God, so many things that would, would take our mind off of you. Lord, help us to set those things aside. Help us to focus on you. Help us to slow down. And help us to find the energy that can come through a heart that is dedicated to you and a mind that is focused on you, God. Lord, we pray that you will give us endurance to run this race that is set before us fixing our eyes on Jesus and following in his example. God, I pray that we will do that individually in our families and as a congregation to to seek you in all aspects of our life. And Lord, we pray for many, many, many opportunities to tell people about you. And we pray that you will help us to be wise enough and to have the energy that we need to meet those needs when they come our way, God. Lord, use us for your glory. Forgive us for our sins. And thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, Tonight, the work is not done. There will always be work as long as we live. Uh, Tonight, if you're not a Christian, Jesus came and did the work necessary so that you could be saved from your sins. If you are interested in knowing more about that or if you're ready to put Christ on in baptism tonight, we would invite you to do so. Brothers and sisters, uh, those of you who are active uh, this weekend and active in other ways, maybe not in in the Love Where You Live weekend, thank you for your service to God. Uh, Just one thing that most of us didn't see. Uh, there was a meal for the many of us who were able to, to participate in the Love Where You Live weekend. We had probably about 10 or 15 this morning who were uh, in there preparing that and making sure that was ready for us. Uh, people, you don't have to be up front uh, to be a servant. As a matter of fact, most people aren't up front who are servants, and that's a good thing. Uh, seek to serve and follow God in every way that you can. 
uh, brothers and sisters, let's do the things that we need to do to have that energy uh, with our hearts and our minds focused on the Lord. If you have any needs tonight, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.